Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 45 Homeward Bound 24th of February to the 22nd of March 1978 Greece, former Yugoslavia, Austria, Germany, Holland, England At our first seaside village in Greece, we called by a grocery store and were welcomed by the owner with a glass of brandy. That certainly warmed our cockles on the fresh, wintry morning as we browsed around the shop. We bought the essentials, butter, olives, cheese and wine, then were directed to the bakery to buy delicious sesame bread. The traditional village of quaint white cottages with red-tiled roofs was flanked on either side along the coast by new holiday homes of all shapes, sizes and states of completion. One villa masqueraded as a flying saucer. The road took us inland, through the hilly countryside, past many villages, but we were seeking our own private beach campsite and persistently took any road we thought would lead us closer to the sea. En route to Cassandra, we saw a sign to Sunny Beach Camping and followed the road through a pine forest to the site, which was unfortunately closed for the winter. Then we had a right merry-go-round try to find our way out along the dirt tracks, which soon turned to mud. Eventually, we left the forest and drove by cultivated fields down towards a lovely isolated sandy beach where the sea gently lapped the shore. We made camp while the bright orange sky mellowed as the sun slipped behind Mount Olympus just across the water. Having located a prime beach hideaway, the next day we took advantage of the chance to relax and sat out on our Indian bamboo armchairs. There was a chill in the air, so Alec made a fire with some driftwood that he'd gathered. A little black mongrel dog was walking by and it came and sat with us for a while, enjoying the warmth of the fire. We took the opportunity to study further of Paul's travels in Turkey and Greece. It was remarkable how often places we were reading about in the Bible had coincided exactly with where we were travelling at that stage of our journey. During the day, many small boats sailed by. It was a shame the water was too cold to take a dip, but to be by the water, to smell the salty air and to hear the wash of the waves was bliss. We tucked into hot pancakes cooked in the frying pan over the open fire. The evening drew to a close as we drank a mug of coffee and played Scrabble as the fire died down. Three fishermen walked by in their thigh-high boots carrying glowing lanterns. We watched the sky being painted with changing golden hues as the sun slowly said good night. From tranquil beach to hectic modern city, we entered Thessaloniki the next day 
our first Western metropolis since leaving Vienna six months before. High-rise flats and offices, fancy shop windows, fashionable clothing and furnishings were all on show. As we walked along the high street, we looked like scruffy country bumpkins alongside the expensively, elegantly dressed city slickers. At the huge supermarket, shelves were stacked full of the same items packaged in different wrappings, promoting why you should buy this brand or that. The hustle and bustle of shoppers who jumped the queue at the checkout disturbed us as they raced on to their next engagement. We left without making a purchase, then discovered a small quiet corner shop down the road and found just what we were looking for, a culinary souvenir. Three kilos of plump green olives sealed in a large screw-top yellow plastic container. From Greece, we drove into Yugoslavia, having convinced the Border Patrol that we were not hiding any drugs, no, not even under the bed. The road to Skopje followed the contour of hills down into valleys and through many tunnels. The roads at first were in good order, then deteriorated to potholed, tarmac or cobbled roads that judded the Land Rover as the wheels drove over. Many wooden carts were going along, pulled by fine, well-fed horses with shiny coats and long, flowing manes. They clip-clopped along the roads, while being overtaken by a wide variety of cars, from family saloons to expensive Lamborghinis. As we drove by rolling plains of cultivated land, farmers were working with horses and cows as well as using tractors. White snowdrops and yellow primroses decorated the grass verges. We spent a day in Belgrade, this time wearing our best clothes, as we left the Land Rover parked in Republic Square and moseyed along one of the main streets, Masala Tita. The city gents and ladies were dressed in leather coats or jackets as they popped in and out of the modern shops where eye-catching displays of goods were on sale. We ventured into a five-storey department store where they sold practically everything. There were colossal stacks of goods, the majority made in Yugoslavia. The food floor was truly amazing, with every type of cheese imaginable, smoked meats and sausages, freshly baked bread, bottles of locally produced wines, tinned foods and live fish, which they would kill on the spot after you made your choice. The strong smells struggled for dominance, creating a tangible but invisible cloud. Grateful for the fresh crisp air as we walked out into the street, we soon found ourselves following a crowd of people walking into a rather grand church. The fragrance of incense and multiple burning candles filled the atmosphere. The worshippers kissed a candle before lighting the wick. As they walked around the sanctuary, they would stop before a gilded icon of a saint and press their lips to the painting and then go on to the next one. Feeling hungry, we left to search for some tasty food. Our noses led us to a busy restaurant for a scrumptious beef burek, a sweet apple strudel and a glass of beer each. We took a walk through the city park along with many locals 
to see the boats and barges at the confluence of the rivers Danube and Sava. The Belgrade fortress was strategically built to overlook the two rivers and it housed a military museum with cannons and tanks displayed outside on the grass. Our days of sightseeing were drawing to a close. By now it was early March and our minds and hearts were set towards England. But we still had to make a few promised visits to friends on our way back. After five days travelling through Yugoslavia, we crossed into Austria and headed through the Alps towards Vienna on modern, well-maintained highways. The temperature dropped as we climbed upwards to the Semmering Pass. The pine-forested mountainsides were draped in snow. Skiers of all ages whizzed down the mountain ski slopes and then hopped on a chairlift to go up to the top again. The picturesque alpine houses supported a thick layer of heavy snow on their steep roofs. Nigel and Helen had reminded us every time they wrote that we should visit on our way back, so we were very surprised to find they were not at home when we arrived in Vienna. I phoned at a call box, but no one answered. We drove around to their home at four, but no one was in. Maybe they were out for a walk and Nigel was at work. We waited until half past five, but no one came. We drove to Nigel's office, but the lights were off and no one was there. We called at a corner shop for bread and yoghurt and went back to their home. No one. As we were standing waiting and wondering what to do, the landlord showed up. He informed us that Helen's father had died, suddenly, hence the family were away in England. Their absence was not of their choosing, but we were cheered when the landlord kindly checked their mailbox for us and found two letters from our parents. We thanked him and drove off to the woods to the car park at Bellevue, the abandoned restaurant where we had first encountered Nigel. It was raining. We had a cup of tea to soothe our disappointment over our absent friends as we opened our letters. Wow, Alec, listen to what Dad's written, I chirped up. Air Associates have had a good response for job prospects and Bryman Airways in Plymouth, Devon, want to interview you. That's great news, Alec replied. And the South West will be a fresh new area to explore when we settle back in England. Within a couple of days of driving on the autobahns from Austria into Germany, we arrived in Offenbach, near Frankfurt, at Bob and Sabine's. Having welcomed us on our outward journey over a year before, they were thrilled to have us back again to stay for a 10-day holiday at their flat. While Bob, an aircraft engineer, was out working at the airport and Sabine was teaching at school, they let us have the freedom of their home to relax. Good food, bubble baths, lazing around reading, window shopping in the city, a visit to the pub and an outing to the bowling alley. It was an opportunity to reorientate ourselves to the norm. On the 21st of March 1978, we left their home to drive to England. It was probably the worst day for weather of our whole trip as we battled snow, hailstorms, high winds and driving rain. The windscreen wipers did their best to keep up, but it was a struggle. 
The drive amongst the heavy traffic on the autobahn was a real challenge for Alec as vehicles thundered along past our well-travelled Land Rover. We knew we were driving through Holland as we passed by canals with houseboats anchored and windmills, their sails battered by the gales. No one was out and about cycling. We arrived at the Hook of Holland to book a place on the 11pm crossing to Harwich, Essex. We were surprised not to drive onto the Dutch ferry. Instead, our Land Rover went on its own adventure when it was lifted high into the air by a crane and lowered onto the rocking deck. The crossing was rough. We slept restlessly and I felt extremely seasick at one stage. Morning came and the weather had calmed down. We went to the washrooms to freshen up and were ready to disembark by seven. Our Land Rover was the first to be lifted by crane from the deck onto dear old Blighty. As we drove to the customs declaration station, we were prepared to declare all. The jolly friendly officer was only interested in my necklace from Cameroon, in case I could grow marijuana plants from the seed beads. It was a short drive into town, and we arrived before the banks were open. Alec only had 70 pence in his pocket, and we were almost out of fuel. Fortunately, there was a cosy cafe open, and we had enough to buy two cups of tea and two Welsh rarebits. The bank opened at half past nine. We changed money, bought fuel, and were soon back en route, glad to be driving on left. Our first call was to visit my great-aunts at Clacton-on-Sea, three quaint elderly spinsters who could have stepped right out of a storybook. Alice, Glad and Maud. They were always interested in our travels and welcomed our visit. Then we stopped at Latchingdon to visit my dearest friend Rosalind and her husband Brian and daughter Laura. While we had been away, there was a new addition to the family, Gavin, one of a number of babies born to various cousins and friends during our absence. It was wonderful to meet the little one and I wondered how long it would be before we were expecting. Each mile we drove, we were closer to home. We hadn't phoned my folks, and they were not expecting us for another week. I can't tell you how excited I felt to be seeing them again. Tony, Betty, David and Paul House, plus Joanne, my very own family. It would be a while before we would see Alex folks, Minion, Marjorie, Margaret and Tony and our lovely niece, Janet. But that would be another day to anticipate with great joy. We rolled into Brentwood, turned right at Wilson's Corner, drove down the Ongar Road to Larkin's Playing Fields, turned right again into Windsor Road and pulled up outside our family home. I jumped out and skipped to the front door as Alec locked our trusty Land Rover. I rang the bell and heard someone approaching in the hallway. The door opened and there stood my mum. Janice, she cried as she reached her hands out to me. With a kiss on my cheek, she called to Dad. Tony, put the kettle on. They're home. Total distance driven, 39,583 miles through 29 countries in Europe, Africa and Asia.
You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a Devil or Two to Boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.